about community this month and we have been touching on community and um, I just want to say this is a glorious season that Networks Church is in. I was reading Ezekiel 34 verse 25 and I thought this is, um, sounds pretty sweet. It says this, I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in the land and you will know that I am the Lord when I've broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslave them. And they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land. I will raise them up for a garden of renown. Isn't that an amazing passage? You know, I feel sometimes like I'm living in this. You know, that God is just doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. We're seeing some great testimonies and I decided I'd recount some of the things that God has done just to remind us what God is doing. Um, It started, I think, when Colette stood up one Sunday and came in and said, I have been healed of a gluten allergy. Now, that is no insignificant miracle. That itself was just an amazing, amazing miracle. She has fought that all her life. And I think since then, we've started to see more significant miracles. If you know people who are really struggling um, and are sick, then you need to say to them, there is a well, there are showers of blessings that flow here. God is doing things in this place and bringing, and miracles are flowing. And you know, that was just the beginning of it. Tess, uh, not long afterwards, came and testified how in a dream a lightning bolt had hit her in the middle of her, the night and actually jolted her awake. And she said it brought um, energy. And she'd been suffering from chronic fatigue for, for most of her married life. And for, for Tess to get up and to do a day's work would take like two weeks. And when, when the Spirit of God came upon her and healed her body, she said she woke up the morning with no headache, and usually she'd have a headache that would last for three or four days. There was no headache. She cleaned her house in a day, which normally, she said, would take two weeks. God had visited her and brought a miracle. I mean, it was amazing. And here she is, like probably two months later, she's still powering on. God is still blessing her. She, she, you know, Peter's really glad because he doesn't have to do the house anymore. Peter Geyser, (laughs) not this Peter. Okay, Linda um, Parker was sharing how she's been healed of Bell Palsy. She woke up one morning and the whole side of her face had dropped, thought she'd had a stroke and um, went to hospital. Three weeks later, she went back to the doctor and the doctor could not believe her face looked normal. You don't get healed of things like that quickly. It takes months and he was amazed. Linda has an incredible story of faith and how she just kept up the confession of her faith and declared that she was healed in the name of Jesus and three weeks later brought this amazing testimony. And lastly, you know, we've seen some other like really little amazing things that you might not know of, but we see angelic visitations in this place. Networks Church, I can remember Mick was in a meeting and we were back in the old hall and all of a sudden there's only 20 of us there worshipping and all of a sudden the volume just went up like through the roof. And I remember looking to Lynn, I think it was, and I said, angels have just come into the building. She goes, I know. And, and in the coffee break, we started to chat and Min Tobit, we were in the line and, and um, I said, I think there was angels. And Min goes, there was angels here. 
And so in the mouth of two or three, this angelic visitation came and I know it wasn't the band. They didn't turn the volume up because there was only Richard and I at that time. And it was just amazing. And we've seen with babies, like just we were away at our conference um, staff retreat recently and Audrey wouldn't feed and Brie was sitting on my bed and Audrey was looking past Brie at the wall, at the bed head and smiling and started to talk. And Brie just says... There's someone else in the room. She said, she is not talking to me and she won't feed. She's chatting and smiling and we believe it was an angel. Now they say children, babies and uh, dogs are very sensitive to the spirit realm and they can sense things. And that's happened um, a couple of times. I remember Ben and Katie um, um, telling us one time when Evie was a baby, they had an intercom system to the bedroom and um, Evie was just a tot going to sleep and she was crying and they looked in the monitor because they're upstairs and there was a hand patting her on the back and they were they gave them a fright because they said the house was securely locked up and I think they double checked didn't you Ben you went down made sure all the doors were locked to make sure no one had got in (laughs) but you know what an angel was patting Evie to sleep we see angelic visitations and Kathy Galea was telling me um, this is only just this year how she had a fall outside her um, uh, daughter-in-law's house and she said, I can remember falling. She said, I was like in slow motion and I thought, I'm going to have a crash. You know how, you know, you see those Volvo ads, you know, people just go down, oh, I know this is going to happen. And, you know, she said, the funny thing was, she said, I believe an angel lowered me to the ground because when I hit my head, all I got was a small cut on my lip and a little bruise. And um, she said, my family looked on in horror as she fell and they saw it. They said she literally fell in slow motion. Now, you might say, oh, yeah, that's just coincidence or that's nothing. But, you know, I believe that angels surround us and help us. And so we choose to thank God for his angelic help, don't we? Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. I think great things happen. God does good things. But, you know, I want to... I just think the church is wonderful. And here we are talking about community. One of the things that we face in life sometimes is being alone. And I don't think it's fun doing life alone. I got married when I was 20. But I do remember Bree's walk um, before she got married and, and, and wondering if she would ever find a husband and, you know, the fear of being alone. And some of us maybe go through life and, and, and do life alone. And it's not an easy thing to do. And it can bring its own stresses. But one thing I do know is that you don't have to be alone. We don't have to be alone because the body of the church is such a great community. And God says he sets the solitary in families. So the family, the family called the church is a great place. No one ever has to do life alone. And I believe in this church is a great place to do life together. We are better together, are we not? Three things about the church. Let me tell you this. We're better together. And I'm going to share a couple of stories of people in the Bible and what they did together. There is also a spirit of faith in the church for healing, deliverance and hope. And there is also, it's also a place where we grow. You know, the prophetic culture here in Network Church keeps us and helps us and encourages us. How many of you know the spirit of the prophetic is to comfort, edify, exhort, right? So a prophetic culture, if you're alone, is going to help you. 
It's going to encourage you. It's going to be the place where you will find comfort when you are feeling stressed and alone. The church is the place. Jacob saw the pillar and the angels going up and down and he goes, how awesome is this place? The church, how awesome is the church? You do not have to do life alone. And we were, we've just finished running prophetic classes. Let me tell you, I made a joke that we should start a prophetic group called the Lost and Found Group. And when you lose things, you can just go to the prophetic lost and found group. We don't have a lost and found box anymore. It's called the lost and found people. (laughs) You know, after Joan finding her her tooth filling replacement thing, we we were so excited about that. And so not not as much as Greg and Joan. but, But on the Sunday night, we were testifying about that. And Emma stood up, didn't you, Emma? And goes, I've lost my wallet. Can you help me find my wallet? We think this is poor Emma, you know. So Peter says, "Come on out to the prophetic team and ask God, you know, ask the prophetic people to tell you, you know, where they believe the wallet is." Well, I think you got about eight different responses, and Derek was the one who had the correct word of knowledge, and they found the wallet. Now, can I say how awesome is it to be in a body where you don't have to go through that stress alone? I remember when we first started ministry. Peter and I would have terrible stress on Sunday morning. And, you know, the devil just knows how to get your goat, right? He just knows how... If anything's going to go wrong, it's just as you're about to get ready for church. You know, you get all ready and you've got the kids just about to get them in the car and one throws up all over you. Or they do a gigantic poo, you know, that just goes all down your leg and everywhere. Or Or you're about to get in the car and you have a massive fight. If you're alone, you just get in the car and probably have a fight with yourself. I don't know how that works, you know. But if, you're going to ha- if stress is going to come upon you, it's, it, it's going to come upon you just when you're getting ready for church. And Peter and I would often lose things just as we were about to get in the car on Sunday morning. <laughs> it was just, and we would have terrible stress. And until we learned how to keep our boundaries and keep our sphere, we, would, we battled with that regularly probably in the first year, until we got a clue and suddenly realised, you know, this could be a devil. (laughs) And uh, when we figured that out, we started to take authority over it. Well, the funny thing is that after Emma found her wallet, and Kim came on Monday morning and testified that they'd found the wallet, Peter, we went home, and on Thursday, no, it was was, um, that night, on the Monday night, I walked into our bedroom and we'd moved our bed because we're getting a new mattress and so I'd moved my bedside dresser and I had lost a diamond earring. It's been lost for over a year. And there it was, just sitting in the middle of the carpet. We just found this, this earring. It was just awesome. And I thought, I looked underneath this bedside table and it was not there. So please tell, I don't know how it got there, but we found it. And then... This, this whole phenomenon of finding lost things, we found, on, t- on Thursday we were going out for dinner and Peter goes, oh, he's got his sheepy socks on. Well, he couldn't find those sheepy socks that he's got on, you know, just put the camera on the sheepy socks right now. There you go, that's the sheepy socks. And he says to me on Thursday night, where's my sheepy socks? And I'm going, I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, here we go again. He's lost something and I find it, you know. Anyway, no, 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 it's all right. And anyway, and I'm sitting on the bed and I go, oh, why don't you have, I'll have a look in my drawer. So I jumped up and decided to have a look in my sock drawer. 
pulled out these green socks and I went, are these them? <laughs> and we found the green socks. And I just went, this is insane. And on Sunday, we had Marnie preach last week. And what was he talking about? It, what, you've got to find your assignment. And if you don't know what your assignment is, you're lost. And I'm just going on, what is this about lost? God is having to speak to us about lost. And so if you're feeling lost and you don't know your assignment, what's the place to be? In the church. Because where are you going to find your assignment? In the church. You're going to find it as you serve in the church. And um, the prophetic is a great place for that because God will open doors and speak to you and stuff like that. Let me share a couple of Bible stories of women who were alone and what they did to overcome. I opened the Bible to 2 Kings. I thought this was kind of funny. Chapter 4. And you just go through the next few chapters of... of, um, I don't want to tell every story, but I just want you to get a picture here. In the Old Testament, God is the same yesterday, today and forever, right? I am the Lord, I change not. How many of you know God does not change? No matter what people tell you about... (laughs) Yes, well, let's not go there. But... There is, God is always the same. So here we have a woman who had nothing and she says a certain woman in verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4, there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet and she cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord and his creditors are coming to take my two sons to be his slave. Here's this woman alone facing a massive stress. Not only, not only is she alone because her husband has died, but the, to make matters worse, the creditors are going to come and take her children. Can you imagine facing that alone? What does she do? She goes to the prophet. It's a picture of what do you do when you're alone and you're under massive stress. Get into the church. Come to the church. The answer is going to be through the mouth of the prophet. You never know when you're going through something, who will bring a word to you that will be just the word you need to help you in your season. The creditors might be coming. You might be struggling with with, um, financially. You might be struggling because you've had a bereavement in the family. But the only place to be is in the house of the Lord because the prophetic word will bring encouragement and edify and build you. And so... This woman goes to the prophet. She goes to the prophet. Let me take you now to 2 Kings chapter 5. You only have to flick over a page. I made it easy for you. Naaman commanded the army of the king of Syria. He was great and honourable in the eyes of his master. He was a mighty man of valour, but he was a leper. He was a man who had everything, but he was a leper. He had a sickness which was going to kill him, which was going to isolate him, and he was facing it alone. He's a man who's probably used to being the leader and out the front of the battle, but all of a sudden something personal hits him and he can't deal with it. And what what happens? The little girl from Israel who's slave in the house gets wind and tells him to go to the prophet in Israel. There's help in the church. She sends him. That little girl couldn't help him herself, but she knew where he should go to get help. Sometimes you just got to know where to go. It's in the church. 
you know, the, when, when you're struggling and when you are pace, facing something personal in the church. Let's have a quick look at another one. I like this one. It's all about lost things today. Second Kings 6. The sons of the prophet said to Elisha, see now the place where we dwell. It is too small for us. And of course they go. And I meant to start at verse 4. And so he went with them. When they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. Lost things. Went to the prophet. Where is it? Where is it? Emma comes and asks and says, where is it? And Derek says, it's here. And sure enough, it was. Joan and Greg say, where is it? And seven people give them an answer. And Alicia and Michael said, it's in the bin, in the bedroom. You know, the prophetic voice, it's not just a prophet. It's the prophetic voice that's in the church at large. As a community, the church, we are better together. It's not one prophet. We are the prophetic voice, right? So it's not just coming up to Peter or myself. It's not just you or me. It's all of us together. And you might have the right word. How often does God bring a word through the most unlikely person? True? You're just somebody you never expect. But if you're in the church, the word of the Lord is there for you. You'll find lost things. Let's just do one more. In chapter 8, it says, Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, go to your household and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. So the woman rose, did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went and dwelt with the, in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And it came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land and she went to make and appeal to the king for her house and for her land because she had lost everything. She was alone. Now it happened, as he was telling the king, she told Elisha how he had restored the dead to life, that there was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, O Lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. How good is that? The king restores all to the woman who'd lost her son, who had died. But again, it was through the prophet that she found deliverance. Can I say that these people didn't, cry out on their own they weren't separated they weren't outside and alone it was with the prophet and when you go through things the bible tells you in proverbs 18 verse 1 he who what is it the one who goes alone rages against all wise judgment he who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment can i say if you're alone your help is in the house your help is in the church it is where the prophetic voice is all the things that happen so the prophetic helps us the second thing is the spirit of faith 
is also in the house. Healing is here in the house. Look at how many people get touched by the anointing. There is a spirit of faith that comes when you get together. Don't ever think that if you're going to fight something like cancer or something that's big, that you can fight it alone. You'll never fight it alone. God is designed to place us into a family, into a household, and the spirit of faith comes and it enables you to do more than you would ever do on your own. True? Yeah. The spirit of faith. You know, Kyla comes and asks for prayer. We all lay hands on her and here she is rejoicing in a testimony today of healing and how God is shrinking that thing. How many people here are saying, you know, I've been healed because they came to the house, they prayed for me, they anointed me with oil. There is an anointing for healing and it's in the house. <clears throat> and so I remember when I went to um, Fuller, the spirit of faith comes on us because we hear what is taught. The spirit of faith is, I believe, therefore I speak, right? That's the spirit of faith. Isaiah 57 verse 19 says this, I create the fruit of the lips. He says in Isaiah 51 verse 16, put my word in your mouth and you will plant and lay the foundations. It's the word of God in your mouth that will create. And it's not until you speak. I say to people who start talking to me and complaining and being negative, I say, that is not the spirit of faith. You must get into faith. You've got to create your world by the words that you speak. If you are speaking badly and your world is going bad, guess whose fault it is? It's yours because you are not speaking faith. You have got to. And the only way you'll learn faith is to get around others who've got the spirit of faith and you can hear the difference. What you say and what the church says are all of a sudden not sounding the same. Guess what you've got to do? You've got to change your language. You've got to start to say what God says and the spirit of faith. I had a fall in Fuller 12 months ago in the laundry and... um, it was, a, it was a nasty fall. I've never had a fall like it. But I can remember, you know how they have a little ledge and they had all the washing machines and the dryers on, up about six inches, about that high, six or eight inches high. And there's signs everywhere. Watch your step. I saw all the signs, but I picked up my wash, wet washing, took a step to put it in the dryer, a dryer and just went choom, straight down like a pencil. And I hit my head against the wall, my shoulder against the wall, nearly knocked myself out. There was a lady there, thank God, who came racing over and I didn't even have any sense for a few seconds to answer her. And I can remember as I'm going down thinking, this is not good. (laughs) I've never fallen so hard and I just went straight. I couldn't even rescue myself. But let me tell you what God spoke to me. She went up and got Peter. He came down. And I was very shaken and crying, took me up. And all I heard God say was, he said, how are you? And I went, I'm okay. And God said to me, today you're okay. Tomorrow you're good. And the third day you'll be great. And I can remember hearing those words and I just said, I'm good. You know, I'm okay. Because in three days we were getting on the plane and I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to pull my suitcase? Because my shoulder was pretty sore. And we went for a walk though in the afternoon and I just slipped it into my coat so it wouldn't jar as I walked. And um, I'm going, I'm okay. I'm okay. The next day I got up, Peter would say, how are you? I couldn't lift my arm up to wash my hair, you know, do all the feminine things, couldn't put my makeup on. Anyway, and I'm left-handed. How are you? I'm good. 
he'd asked me, how are you? I'm good. The next day, I got up, we were packing our bags, and he said, how are you? I said, I'm great. And I pulled my bag into the airport. Now, the spirit of faith, there is a grace that comes upon us because we fellowship in the church and that same spirit that's over the church will come on you if you'll pull it down over your life and you'll partner with the Holy Spirit and walk in it. True? You start, you grow together in the church, in the community. And the third thing is that we grow together. Can I say this about babies? All my illustrations are about babies. I'm sorry. When babies are born, they just, it's a matter of weeks and they start talking. It's unintelligible, they start talking. Is that right? Is Jack talking? Yes. Little Audrey, I'm surprised she's not talking while I'm preaching. She's asleep. Thank God. <coughs> I was sitting in, in a place yesterday. She just talks to everybody, this one. Now, can we understand it? No. Can't understand a word, she says. Ah, blah, 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 blah. One day, she and Mike were sitting watching TV. Audrey was awake and wanted to talk and join in. They were watching TV. She didn't want to watch TV. She's going, blah, 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 blah. And so they said, clearly Audrey wants to have a chat. Let's turn off the TV. So they turn off the TV, and for half an hour, Audrey and her dad have this little conversation back and forth. Now, she was as happy as a pig in mud. Someone was listening to her. Babies, their language is unintelligible. Let me say this. A baby, you know, starts to talk. We love to hear it. When we get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they prophesied. The Holy Ghost comes upon us and we start to speak. Now, the spirit of the prophetic is in this place. You can speak. You might go, oh, but it's just ah, blah, 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 blah. You know what? Your heavenly father loves to hear your language. And babies are actually smarter than us. They just keep doing it. And then they end up like this one here and they write a thesis. How does that happen? They practice. We come to church and we go, oh, I can't, I can't do that. But how do you grow? You grow in community. When others say to you, you can get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and you prophesy. Oh, but I can't prophesy. Blah, 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 blah. Remember? Practice. <laughs> you learn just by doing. Oh, but I'm on a team. Oh, I, I couldn't prophesy in a team. Why not? Because the ones who are learned start to pull you in and they teach you. How do you learn? In community. True? Together we're better. We learn it, we do it together. Can I say, I love the church. You know, Marnie said last week, what's your assignment? Just get into the slipstream of Networks Church and let God use you. Learn how to prophesy. Learn how to... You, you're, find your assignment. How will you know what God wants you to do? You find it by being here. By being here. And you'll find what God wants you to do. Just come and say, you're not designed to just sit on a chair. You're designed to be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesy. Lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That's your assignment. That's your assignment. Don't say, I have to go home and pray about it. I'm telling you what your assignment is. Because <laughs> the, the Spirit of God is in this place. You've just got to find the outworking of it in your own life and do it. Be obedient to the word of the Lord because we are better together. Come on, church. Let's rise up and start to find our assignments. Let's start to work in the gifting that, that God has given us. And um, let's bring the glory of God into Logan City and into the kingdom. Amen.